Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, it's a 24-race calendar now, and as you say, there's four races in the States, three of which are pretty much street layout. And I don't really understand why that's happening either. You've got Laguna Seca, which is a phenomenal circuit, and more akin to mm. kind of, you know, a proper race circuit. And yet we're building circuits in, in cities. It just doesn't really, for me, fit. Uh, the sprint race is still very much up for debate. Mm. Jury's still massively out on them. Yeah. We've had a few good ones, uh, kind of towards two. the back end, actually, last, last season. But mm. overall, I mean, the drivers have been very vocal about not loving the sprint race. Hello and welcome to On Track GP. This morning, it's just two of us. It's just two of us. It's just two of us. Usually it's a packed studio. Yeah, I thought I was expecting to see Joe. I know, Joe and Matisse. It's it's just two of us. But I am very lucky because we do have a very special guest this morning. It is none other than Steve Harrison. Lovely to see you. Um, You might recognise Steve from uh, Who's in the Cart. Yeah. Uh, a little enjoy? bit, uh, yeah, a little bit different. So a little bit different. Nice to see you with the helmet briefly off. Briefly saw you in Who's in the Car. Yes, uh, we were discussing before we started <laughs> the pod that um, I had a DNF in the car because someone came and ran right into the back of me and I did question Steve to see if it was him. It turns out it wasn't, it was Rich. We cleared that, we cleared that up. Cleared nice that up. and early, wasn't me. Nice and early. So yes, you might recognise Steve uh, from that. Um, obviously, you are you are a professional racer, aren't you? Uh, I, I feel like I'd be... Um, blow your own trumpet, go Yeah, on. somewhat significantly blow my own trumpet. In saying <laughs> professional, I think that's kind of stretching away. But no, I um, uh, I race. Um, I, I do race, race in club motorsport at the moment. Sort of uh, future ambitions to change that from kind of, uh, I guess you'd say, amateur racing, really, to, uh, to maybe a professional seat. Um, but I've been involved in motorsport since I can remember, to be honest, mm. um, in one way or another. How did you get into racing then? Was it karting when you were younger and yeah, it was, Yeah, kind of um, sort of the common route really. So uh, my dad uh, was into motorsport, raced himself. So when I was young, used to sort of travel around him around the country. Uh, he raced endurance carts, so twin engine Honda endurance carts mm-hmm. um, with my uncle and one of his sort of best friends. And uh, they were middling kart champions two years running. Um, and then when I sort of got big enough to reach the pedals, had to go myself. 
fell in love with it from there and um and yeah it's all the rest of his history to be honest but um yeah it was uh it was good fun so as you were saying before that you you'd like to kind of progress further mm. in karting so how do you go about that if you've if you've been doing a certain type of i guess semi-professional racing you could say how do you then manage to get into into the other side yeah well i mean i think with motorsport you've kind of got you know maybe one of a few different uh, avenues to get into sort of a professional seat or, or a professional drive uh you know pretty much everybody starts off in karting and migrates from there uh, my sort of karting journey didn't even really start to be honest as a, as a junior uh family circumstances changed that there wasn't the funding available for me to sort of look at going down a route where i could have been spotted mm-hmm. um and there was sort of a long hiatus in my life where i, I didn't actually race at all so um and then sort of later on in life after i'd sort of developed a professional career uh, or i guess a, my sort of working career had that money to then go and invest in it and do some more karting um find out that i was pretty competitive uh, and then sort of look at a route into getting into um sort of tin top motorsport uh, which is where i am now so i think if if you if you're not in a position to get spotted as a, as a junior in karts it's around sponsorship around partnerships mm. and then around getting in the right place at the right it's, time. It's massively money orientated, isn't it? When it comes to, you know, racing or karting, or, you know, trying to get into any type of motorsport. And I, from what I'm aware of, there isn't really like a scholarship kind of scheme or program. And that would be amazing though, if if F1 or, you know, all, mm. these, all these junior, I guess, karting agencies, like yeah. if they had something that can allow kids who obviously dream a bit, I know there's only 20 drivers on a grid, but yeah. there is something <clears> that can <throat> allow kids who probably are really talented as well, but just can't afford the upkeep of trying to stay in motorsport? Do you think that's something that maybe for the future there they will be, or you just think it's a closed book? No, 100%. 100%. I think what what's nice to see is those drivers who've had the opportunity, whether it be coming from an affluent background. So for instance, you know, it's quite well known, Lando, for instance, uh, you know, has uh, had a huge financial backing throughout his career, but obviously talented driver. Mm. Um, has been involved in launching his own sort of karting, uh, sort of karting um, opportunities. Daniel Ricciardo, I think, has done the same thing. So it's nice to see drivers sort of investing in junior platforms. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think there's a wide enough uh, sort of catchment mm. for those young drivers uh, to get into open wheel racing who perhaps don't have the natural financial backing for it. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a shame that actually you don't really you don't see that you know in the sport at the minute. But hopefully no. it's, it is something that will change over time. And as you said, you know you've got these drivers that are, you know current and on the grid trying to back um, yeah. and trying to build something for the future for these drivers because it, it just feels a little bit unfair that it's only kind of like the one percent that yeah. can afford to put their kids you know through that that may may or may not make it. And I just think that maybe it should be a little bit broader, but maybe that's because, you know, the sport is growing massively, which mm, we've seen huge. over the last couple of years. It's just absolutely taken off. It's, it's, in, it's insane. Um, and in that way that it's been insane is that how many more circuits that we're seeing, especially in America. Yeah. Have you been lucky enough to, to try any of these American circuits? What, what's your favorite circuit? No, um, I mean, yeah, certainly not, not live. Um, my uncle actually works for a, a sort of an asphalt uh, firm and uh, and heavy machinery. Actually, his company was involved in building Circuit of the Americas. Mm, wow. <laughs> um, so he got the opportunity, I think, to go around there when it was built. I haven't had the had the fortune of doing that. Um, but no, I think I think circuits like um, you know like Texas are amazing. I'm less of a fan of where we've sort of converted the Miami Dolphin Stadium into a race circuit. Mm. I'll be honest. 
I'm a bit more purist. Um, I enjoy sort of the the old gravel trap and, yeah. and sort of classical layout. Um, but like you said, catchment's huge in in the state. So you know, Vegas. Um, which did, did you like Vegas? I thought the race was good. Yeah, I'll be honest. Didn't um, like the show. I didn't like particularly like the show. I think it was very much rushed and shoehorned. I mean, hundreds of millions of pounds spent. I doubt it paid it back. Um, but maybe in you know future years because it's like how long have they got the deal for is it five years Vegas yeah. or is it even longer I think it's quite a long stretch of time so they wouldn't know, have invested so much into it if, no absolutely if it wasn't not for a substantial period so it'd be interesting to see what happens next time I'm I'm less keen on hearing that I think I want to say is it Chicago's got potentially a deal mm. for maybe doing a street circuit I mean, we've already got four haven't we four American circuits, circuits that's up yeah. and coming, which is an, kind of annoying because it's, it's taking away a little bit from you know the european tracks which absolutely, are yeah. the bread and butter and also kind of like the south american tracks we absolutely love to see that exactly we've, yeah. we've spoken about it so many times on these sofas that we'd love to see south africa as well yeah for um sure. and it just seems like we're going where the money is of course yeah. um vegas is until 2032 so long long time that one um is we're going where the money is in terms of the Middle East, you know, we've mm. got Bahrain, Qatar, Abu Dhabi, yeah. you know, yeah. and then you move over to the other side and then you've got all these American tracks. So that's kind of, that takes up pretty much half your races. Yeah. Um, it's just a shame, isn't it? Because for, for us who, you know, have grown up with F1 and, and like you said, like the purists, yeah. you want to be seeing the iconic tracks and, and not seeing you know them have to fall to the wayside to make, to make room for all these like monetary tracks. But yeah. because of, drive to survive and the money that that is bringing into f1 and the expansion i mean i think the interest went up over 400 percent in in america alone mm. you know from drive to survive so f1 they're trying to make it less of a one percent sport so in that sense they have no choice but to go where the money is isn't it yeah which again whether that opens up sort of younger american drivers who typically uh you know um we haven't had very many american world champions mm. uh in fact i think the only one from memory is is uh andretti who's obviously trying to engage in the in. sport in a different way yeah um kind of criminal actually i don't think he's been allowed to, to sort of follow that dream uh yet anyway yeah um but no i completely agree with you i think um you know it's a 24 race calendar now and as you say there's four races in the states three of which are pretty much street layout and I don't really understand why that's happening either. You've got Laguna Seca, which is a phenomenal circuit and more akin to mm. kind of, you know, a proper race circuit. And yet we're building circuits in, in cities. It just doesn't really, for me, fit what F1's truly all about. It's, it's a bit more of the show now, isn't it? And then you're, you're adding in like the sprint weekends and things like that. So it's just like, it's more drama. Mm. And that's what they want because it makes a better documentary. It makes a better show for when yeah. Drive to Survive comes out, but not necessarily the quality of the race Correct. itself has improved. It's actually probably diminished a little bit. Yeah, and I think F1 needs to be quite careful with that, to be honest, because um, yes, there's, there's a huge expansion commercially in F1 and we've seen that over the last few years. Um, but it's a fine balance between entertainment and sport. Mm. And for me, sport is entertainment. So if you get a proper authentic sporting event, it's entertaining. Mm. Now you can't guarantee that every race weekend is gonna be, you know, exciting, a show yeah. and exciting. 
but for the moments you get that are authentic, there's nothing there's nothing like them. And if you can apply that to other sports, I have no interest in darts whatsoever. But the Luke Littler story yeah. was incredible. You know, and it draws and you in because it's an organic it's an organic story, and exactly. that's what that's what I think all sports sometimes you know football as well. Probably maybe rugby is one of the only ones mm. in cricket that I'd say is still kind of very authentic, very organic. Yeah. Because even though it has got money in it, it hasn't got the same level of money and wealth that uh, F1, F1 has in it, NFL has in it, football has in it, things like that. So I think that unfortunately where money money corrupts everything, especially mm. sport, that yeah. things are done you know, across the board to try and make things more interesting or more talking points and, yeah. and you know, for, for more of television sales at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you see that with, uh, and the drivers have been quite vocal about it on Drive to Survive in that they'll take snippets of, one part of the season and merge it with another to try and create a form drama. of and you know rivalry or or uh, or drama for for that for that episode um and like i said you, you can't argue with the exposure that it's given but again for those who are who are sort of focused and follow formula one you can tell when that's happening mm. and it kind of disengages that audience but obviously engages those who've never had access to it before so yeah that's what i mean when i think about the balance um if the balance is right, Formula One's opportunities are kind of limitless. But if you if you pigeonhole it and we start just going to street circuits and I, I still don't think we've figured out and I don't think F1's figured out what sprint weekends are better and what aren't. Mm. You know, are they just cherry picking circuits they think action can, you know, materialise at? Or is it a case of going, well, we're going to pick maybe five or seven or... It doesn't seem clear. Yeah, I agree. I think the sprint, uh, the sprint race is still very much up for debate. Mm. Jury's still massively out on them. Yeah, we've had a few good ones, uh, kind of towards two. the back end of actually last last season. But mm. overall, I mean, the drivers have been very vocal about not loving the sprint race, especially yeah. Max Verstappen. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about Max. I know you've got uh your your Mercedes top on, and we're going to talk about Mercedes because obviously there's been breaking news in the last couple of weeks about them and Lewis. For sure. But in terms of Max, I mean, he's just had the most dominant. I mean, last season was a joke. He was so incredibly dominant. Yeah. The season before was also brilliant from him. Yeah. I think that where the where Red Bull have just exceeded expectations and they've been building and building for so long, mm. do you think that Max and that Red Bull is going to have the same type of dominance this season? Or can you see the likes of Ferrari, the Astons, McLaren, Mercedes, mm. even being able to challenge? Because... We saw sometimes Ferrari match them in terms of, you know, a, a, a pace in, in some aspects, but over the course of a whole race, it's mm. just not there. No, I mean, I think um, Ferrari excited us a little bit over the last two years at having one lap pace. Mm -hmm. You know, Charles is phenomenally quick. Uh, the back end of last season, Carlos as well, was sort of starting to match Charles in terms of pace. Um, but unfortunately, they just don't have the consistency. They don't seem to be able to look after the car that's not kind to tyres. Um, I'll be honest, uh, and I hate to say this because there is that element where everyone loves Ferrari in, in, in some way or another, uh, but even if they turned up with a complete package on the car, I wouldn't have faith in what happens behind the scenes for them to deliver Definitely. a championship well, that, over 24 I races. I mean, that was always an issue, wasn't it, in terms of strategy? And mm. then they kind of ripped out all the backroom staff, changed it, changed the yeah. team principle. And I'd say it was a little bit improved last season, but it mm. still wasn't improved enough to, to be as, I don't know, regimented and, mm. you know, on the ball as, as the likes of Red Bull. I've never seen a team perform in that sense, you yeah. know, in a pit. No, 100%. I mean, uh, I mean, Ferrari's a lot more about uh, passion and the love for Ferrari. And and that kind of can be beneficial one way, but it, like you say, it doesn't have that regimental uh, organization competitiveness. I think they're the only team on the radio I've ever heard say we're going to plan F. 
Yeah, I mean, how the drivers how the drivers keep up with that, I have absolutely no it's idea. Like, what happened plan to A, B? Plan B. We've you, missed how, three you, different how letters. Long, how long that has to be for you to get from A to F. F? And the and the driver, how can you be there, you know, <laughs> mid-race, doing 220 miles an hour, your engineer's saying go to plan F. Plan and you're F. like, okay, which one was that? You know, we're putting <laughs> yeah. mediums on this side and hards on this side, you know. <laughs> it is crazy. But I mean, to your, to your original question, do I think uh, Red Bull will continue the domination? I think it's for the other teams to answer that question. Uh, no doubt in the last season, you know, Max and Red Bull were phenomenal uh, as a package. And I think uh, for everyone watching, whether you're mutual, whether you're a Mercedes fan, you know, any driver fan, uh, you had to admire the performance of last year. Uh, and to be fair for, for them and their whole team, it was also a season where there was nothing controversial about it. Yeah. They just dominated. You know, there wasn't the 2021, obviously, challenges and uh, and controversies there. There wasn't the cost cap discussions marring that championship. You know, <laughs> the sandwich, sandwich gate. Sandwich gate. Um, and they, they came out in that third year uh, and they, they dominated. So, you know, it's up to the other teams um, to go on a push. If I was guessing out of the, the sort of constructors we discussed who I think will be most likely... McLaren seemed to be on quite an aggressive curve of, of sort of performance mm. development. Uh, if they could continue that over a season with the drivers they've got and the pairing they've got, I think Piastri and Norris are quite an exciting prospect. So. Yeah, they, they were pretty exceptional. You know, they had a rocky start to last season, but then came mm. on so strong. And they were the, one of the only teams I felt could actually, you know, mm. challenge during a race properly to um, to a Red Bull. Yeah. Um, and great driver partnership that they've got there. Um, want to talk about Mercedes, because mm. obviously in the last couple of weeks, we have heard that Lewis Hamilton will be moving to Ferrari. Yeah. Um, not this season, so you've still got one more. But yeah. 2025 he will be at Ferrari which is going to be a bit weird to see mm. him in that gorgeous red suit and red. I am I'm not even a Ferrari fan I'm a rebel fan but yeah. I do I love the red of Ferrari of course yeah. um it's going to be odd but does that kind of show I guess where Mercedes are at that kind of the belief maybe isn't there as much he doesn't feel that he could go and win another title mm. for his, he's, he probably hasn't got that long left in the sport but he doesn't have that faith in I guess Toto and the Mercedes team to get that car where it needs to be mm, I mean I, I don't know whether it be his, his faith placed in, in the likes of Toto and the team I'm not sure um, I mean I didn't mention Mercedes they're on a potential challenge for this year you know I always hope that they can and of course you know I'd love to see Lewis go and, and mm. get his eighth title um, but I think uh, to be honest with you surprised at the timing yes surprised at the switch a little bit less so um, I think you know uh, yes Mercedes haven't produced a competitive car over the last two years you know they've taken one win which mm. was obviously Brazil 22 um, and then last year was was even more challenging. Um, I think the reasons for the decision, if it, you know, if I'm putting myself in Lewis's shoes, is okay. The car hasn't been competitive for two years, but what else has happened outside of that? So, for the first time, I think you've you've really heard him be vocal around saying, "This is what we need to do with this car." And then him coming out and saying, "I haven't had that yeah. kind of uh, response or or sort of being listened to." Um, to try and develop the car in the way he thinks it could get more competitive. Uh, you know, we what do we know? We know he was looking for a long-term deal. We know he wanted to be an ambassador for Mercedes. They've been the drivetrain supporter of him since he came out of karting. Mm. Um, and, uh, it's a big decision to move. Yeah, and I think in, in perhaps not getting that sort of... Um, I don't know what you'd call it, but collaboration or, or, or understanding on working on developing the car or not getting that long-term 
uh, ambassador type role for Mercedes and then being at sort of the twilight years of your career and going, I want that eighth. You know, we've said Ferrari have phenomenal one lap pace. Mm. If they can get that package together, you know, I don't think Lewis has lost any talent. You know, he's similar to Fernando. Fernando hasn't lost any talent. He's 42. So um, I kind of see it as a win-win for him. You know, if Mercedes turn up with a title challenging car this year, maybe he could finish off that journey with them in the most amazing way. And if not, just imagine going to Ferrari, going to Ferrari, first title for so many years since 2007. Yeah. You know, so um, either way, it's a massive story. Um, You know, people can talk about reasons for decisions and contracts all they like. He's already made Ferrari more money than they're going to be paying him in just the announcement day. So, you know, um, I think you mentioned I excited to see what happens with it yeah i think it's definitely something i think 2025 is going to be such a huge year i mean bonkers we all know that this season is going to be good but i feel like it's a bit of a placeholder this season because prelude yeah it it really is we've had lots of changes to you know the car names we've got stake and we've got you know the cash card whatever it's bloody called um coming in the visa debit capital one visa yeah the visa debit card or chip and pin yeah you know just it's just (laughs) Just... absolutely wild but then of course we're going to get you know we're going to have audi enter the ring you know we still don't know what's going on with andretti Mm. um and i think it's going to be super exciting you know carlos signs will be a big moving part i've always felt he probably will end up at audi Mm, um what will happen i guess you know in terms of nakaran who's going to take the second seat at red bull because we all think that checo will probably not have that seat come 25 um so yeah there's a lot of moving parts that's going to happen the next season Mm. season yeah next season well i think no i think you're right i think that even this season and next season you know i think um it's been mentioned in previous episodes it was it 14 drivers that were out of contract at the end of the year you then throw in the move that nobody expected Came in those top three teams. And all of a sudden you're going to have six to eight drivers fighting not only for that contract extension, but which seat can I get? Yeah. So. And also, you know, I guess there's some really talented drivers that are also coming up through through F2. And, you know, you want to see these drivers be given a chance, not just, you know, the odd the odd one lap here and there, you know, or that they have to fill in. So it's a very big season, I think, for the current drivers on mm. the grid. Very, yeah. very big season. I think to actually just just on your point there around, you know, we'd love to see that emerging talent coming into Formula One. You know, it's great to see those that have joined are competitive and exciting and we want to see them continue their careers. But equally, we want to see people coming through. You know, if you, you're a champion of Formula Two, mm. your goal then is to be in a Formula One seat. Yeah. And sometimes you can be a champion in F2 and it falls be, away. Be, be nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and then, you, you know, you're sort of branching out into GT seats or into Formula E. But, you get such a small window to do well. Oh, as well. which is, and again, it, it's it is a huge, it's a very tight window to be involved in motorsport and and at the top of your game. Mm. Um, but I think this is where I don't understand the Andretti decision. Mm. You know, F one of of a couple of decades ago, there were thirteen teams, twenty six cars. I'm not a believer in that the you know entertainment or the commercial aspects are too difficult to to negotiate. I think it's probably an element of benefit sharing yeah. that we don't want to spread but then you know that dilutes the sport for me anyway I think it dilutes the sport it dilutes the opportunities that we were talking about earlier for younger yeah. drivers because it's such a it's such a small enclosed grid and 20 seats 20 seats That's <laughs> it, you know. 20 seats but who knows the interesting thing it, it, I feel like it might come up again it's probably gonna mm. rear its head but I, I think that they probably feel that where do you draw the mm. line then if we say okay let's have 22 mm. then it's good is there going to be another one that says okay mm. then it'll be 24 well i mean you've got to, you've come got to change the, the, the circuits yeah to point the garages 
Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, Monaco used to used to have. Tw- I'm pretty sure that had 26 cars. That's probably the tightest that's circuit a, on I mean, the that's calendar. The worst, that's the worst you know, circuit to one. have it. Yeah. The cars are very different, granted, to when they last sort of ran that many cars around there. But um, but yeah, I I still, for me, would like to see a few more teams. I mean, you're not going to get an unlimited supply of sports teams coming in because you've got to make. You know, you've got to be mm. investing 150 to 200 million a year. Well, there's uh, there's you know, an argument. The oh, there was a, a little conversation that went on that potentially Andretti would maybe buy out a current team. You know, mm. Haas being Haas. one. Haas, yeah. Haas, <laughs> yeah. Haas being one. And yeah. that's something I think we'll look and see if anything materializes over the next season or mm. so. But that would potentially be a way in. And the way that Haas have struggled, it might be time for, for Gene Haas to actually cash in because the amount of money he's spending every time they bin it into a wall. Yeah. I mean, he's not really getting anything back, is it? And now Gunter's not there. Yeah, which was a massive money maker for Haas as well. That was probably the, that's arguably one of the big. Again, you forget there's been so many different shocks and controversies on nice. the off season this year. But you know, Gunter. Um, what's interesting about Gunter, and he was quite open in uh, his interview at the Autosport show around the situation. It wasn't really a closed interview, if mm. you like. Uh, you know, he was keen for Haas to invest more in the sport. Um, whether that be the the tipping point or whether it was Haas's performances over the last few years, I think only Gene will know. Um, but you know, if uh, if they want to continue in the sport, which there's questions over that, I I, I think they need to do that. Um, for me, the easiest thing for Andretti is to offer a check. I think it probably will happen. I think it's coming, Definitely. to be honest. Um, all right, I just want to kind of wrap wrap up this section before we mm, talk about sure. Aston Martin car. Yeah. Um, what are your predictions then for this coming season? Oh, <laughs> I think um, I think we're going to uh, we're going to see some entertaining races because a lot of drivers are driving for their contracts and mm. driving for their seats. Um, I would probably hazard a guess that Red Bull are going to come out of the blocks for incredibly quickly. I think they dialed their car down last year. They stopped development early. They've you know Adrian Newey's uh, you know applied his genius again. Mm. Um, I'd like to see Ferrari get more consistent behind their pace. Because let's be honest, whoever wins a cha- whoever wins a title, whoever uh, you support, you want to see competitive racing. So as much as it was sheer dominance last year, entertaining factor, sport factor wasn't there. So um, prediction: Red Bull will probably go along and and fight and get a you know, potentially Max's fourth title. But I think we'll see the likes of McLaren and Ferrari in the mix. Hopefully Mercedes too. <laughs> you didn't seem that confident on it. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot, a lot thrown up in the air at Mercedes. You know. Uh, they've already been quite vocal Lewis is not going to be involved in development meetings anymore you know you have to develop a car if you want to fight for a title is George ready to take that mantra yet I don't think so I don't think so Um, you know as much as he's got some raw speed you know I don't think so so We'll see. Okay. Um, Aston Martin, they have launched their AMR24. Um, they launched it virtually this morning and it's a strongly revised car from last season. The livery kind of retains that usual mm. green colour that we love. Um, there's something that a lot of the cars have now decided to go with, but this carbon fibre uh, over the top and um, this particular car has got these revised side pods, which a lot of the other cars also mm, have. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about this, this carbon fibre thing because is this to reduce the weight? Yeah. Does it really make it, that much difference painting a car? Yeah, absolutely. So it might surprise many, um, but paint's heavy. You know, if you're uh, you're you're talking about cars that are being pushed, you know, tenths of a second mean points. Mm. Um, and in terms of hitting weight, uh, paint can actually make that difference. You know, you can have kilos of weight different in paint versus your carbon fiber, which is nice and lightweight. 
It's, it's a bit mental because you would never think that. No. I mean, I, 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 just, I can't. I can't imagine what it's going to look like on track when you just see all these different cars going around with carbon mm. fibre, like, and nothing like glossy and sexy about the livery. Yeah, I mean, which is what part of F1 is. We yeah, love seeing the liveries for sure. I mean, aesthetically, it sucks um, yeah. because it's it's you know we're almost going through a gothic era era of Formula One in that everything is everyone's trying to compete as best as they can. <laughs> but I think it is the most cost-effective way to shed weight from your car. If you're not painting it, you're not having to develop other parts. You're not having to change other parts to reduce that weight. So, you know, in not painting it, it's a cheap way to go, we'll save a couple of kilos. Yeah. You know. So. Well, it's going to be interesting to see if it actually does work in in principle. Well, we've heard, I think we've heard that one team are looking for a full paint livery because they've managed to balance the weight elsewhere, which is Ferrari. Mm. So, and again, everybody loves the Ferrari red. You have to have a, you can't have oh, a carbon fiber car. It has to, <laughs> Ferrari has to Fully be. black Ferrari just won't work. No, you have to have a red Ferrari. Yeah. Otherwise it's just not Ferrari. It just wouldn't work. Um, Mike Crack, team principal uh, mm. of Aston said, our goal this season is to score regular points, podiums and fight for our first win in green. Mm. Um, they were good last season. I think it's, I mean, I remember it took us all by surprise, didn't it? Especially, you know, in the opening few races. Yeah. Um, and having having Alonso there, he's got a fresh trim, you know. <laughs> he, he looks suave this morning. The Alonso waves in his hair. Oh yeah, yeah he, looked, uh, he looked fresh and ready to go again, yeah. you know. And I love seeing him. I, I think he brings so much to F1 and the sport. And I think he's been incredible to what he's brought to, to Aston already. Mm. What do you think the real limit is though? Do you, do you think obviously they had a bit of an overachievement at the start of last season and finished about right or? Well, I mean, they, they got, again, they took us all by surprise. They came out of the block so quickly mm. in, uh, in 23. Um, and then their development sort of route was clearly not the right one. I think they actually reverted back to their first half of the season car yeah. towards the end of the season and then immediately became more competitive. They had, there was a few of those cars last season that had all these upgrades and then and it sent took them, them back, all off. sent them backwards. It might have been Texas that they all t- they yeah, all put the yeah. upgrades on and then like they all took them straight back Everybody off. Everybody failed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the only the only team that I could think of, especially towards the end of the season, that were improving were McLaren. Mm. Um, you know, what's the limit for, for Aston Martin? I think if they're able to... Uh, start the season in the manner that they did last year where they were competitive um, and if they're able to get their development I think podiums are for sure possible for Aston Martin Uh, can they get secure their first win if we're looking at the drivers uh, you know no offense to Lance but it's only coming from one part of that uh, garage you know what I think that's the biggest problem with with Aston and like Mm. You have to be a good driver to be on the grid. Let's let's. Hundred percent. He gets a lot of stick, Lance Stroll, but he must be a good enough driver. Oh, I mean, Lance How... is. If you look at Turkey, yeah. Turkey twenty twenty uh, or twenty one, he was phenomenal. He'll have like the qualifier. odd race each season where he does really well, but it's just like one. Yeah. But I think when you look at obviously the golf indifference between Alonso and, and Stroll, mm. it's it's so huge. And I think yeah. for for Aston to be a really competitive team as they're developing the car, they are going to need a better driver in that second seat. But sure. will Lance, will Lance, will Lawrence get rid of Lance? Is that's a big sack, question, isn't it? I mean, oh, well, I mean, uh, you know, there's arguments to say that Lance, you know, is in Formula One because his dad. Yeah, he's know, because of his team. Dad. You know, his his dad. I mean, he, when he was at Williams, a little bit different story, I guess. But again, heavy investment coming from the Stroll family. Um, now his dad owns the team. You know, like you say, do you tell your son no more Formula One for you? It depends on what Lawrence's ambition is. If Lawrence's ambition is to win a title and be a team owner, mm. then uh, you know he has to take that tough decision. I, I think being where he is, he, he's happy to take tough decisions. Can he do it to his son? 
take some debate. Real, take, take, take a little guys. That'll be a that'll be a cold conversation with your son to say. But do you know what? Sometimes you need to have just a cold not, conversation. You're just not quick enough. If you want to be a champion, you have to do that. Yeah. Um, just looking at the car in a little bit more depth. Uh, mm. Technical director Dan Fallows uh, said the chassis design is new as well as the nose, the front wing, the front suspension, and the rear suspension. Uh, we want to compete in the development race this season, and this car is designed to do just that. Uh, and Fernando Alonso also noted that he is absolutely ready for his 21st season in F1. Yeah, he crazy. said the whole team has worked flat out on getting the AMR 24 ready for this new season. Uh, there are so many questions though still to face and answer in the first few races with testing. Mm. Um, of course, it can look great and we can all think it's going to be good, but mm. the real the real time is when it is on the track and we are in that testing phase, isn't it? For sure, yeah. I mean, I mean, I look the Aston Martin livery is one of, again one of, probably one of the more attractive. Um, you know, the British racing green. Uh, it's a good looking car, but cars don't win championships on being good looking. So unfortunately, not. I, I think it's interesting that the way that they've they've uh, you know how they've launched the car and what what their sort of key message is is that they're setting the car up to compete on development. So you know, have they recognised that last year that, that was probably a weakness of theirs, and maybe that they're giving you know giving this new car the opportunity to develop better. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting. And and Fernando's keeping very coy in that message of let's do our talking on track. Mm. Let's see what happens in testing before we get too excited. Yeah. Um, there's been other car launches as well. Haas, they've gone from a much darker new livery, less red, mm. more focus on black and white. The uh, the VF24 main focus and all the work on redesigning went into the side pods as well. Mm. Um, that seems to be a theme that's actually running through everyone. Williams was the same. Again, a sleeker, smoother looking FW46 for 2024. The side pods were the main focus. Mm. Um, Alex Albon actually also said that the car feels different in the simulator. Uh, but much better on the low speed corners compared to the last car. Um, he says that he is going to probably have to adapt his driving style though. Is that quite mm. tough though for a driver who's comfortable in the car? And obviously he is the main driver. So yeah. the car is designed for him. Mm. But even so, he's not 100% comfortable in his own driving style in the new car. Is that is that difficult? Can that be a big disruptor for the start of the season? Um, I mean, it can be. I mean, the guys are going to be putting in huge amounts of time now from now to the start of testing in in the sims. Uh, and they, you know, we should have or the team should have a good idea of how they how the sim sets up in, in relation to the car. Uh, of course, you can never just take the sim data on face value. We've seen that with Mercedes. Mercedes thought they were going to be a second faster than the rest of the grid in 2022. That worked out Boy, well. weren't they shocked. <laughs> um, you know, so um, but, you know, is it hard for a driver to adapt? You know, um, with with time he will do that uh, whether he just decides to set up the car more akin to him or if, if he gets more used to it um, you know we've seen Alex in, in seats you know when he was in Red Bull it, that drive, the car was set up where he said it wasn't to my style. He still had some competitive races in it. So he's a um, good driver. He's, I think he's he's been a really good driver for Williams for sure. Um, and a lot of people obviously wrote him off after Red Bull, but coming into that Not second seat, it's so hard. So yeah, hard at Red Bull. Hundred um, percent. They feel Williams can can challenge Alpine in terms mm. of uh, the midfield. Um, but Alpine again, they've had a lot of investment going. You know, they've got all these NFL stars, football yeah. stars, etc., singers, boxers, boxers, everyone going to Alpine, and we feel like it's probably going to be the Wrexham of uh, of the grid. Mm. We're going to see lots of documentaries, I'm sure, in the next next couple of years. But it's yeah. been a disappointing joint launch um, for kind of that car. Uh, 
they unveiled their A524 F1 car and A424 World Endurance car. Uh, that's a lot of AFs. And yeah, that's good. A lot of abbreviations. They, they did it simultaneously. And there's hints of blue on mostly a bare carbon body. So again, this is another carbon. one that's gone with the carbon. Um, change to the front wing and the side pod. They are going to run a pink livery though for eight races this season as well. Um, okay. And the strokes of blue will be replaced by the pink. Um, but again, I feel like Alpine, with the investments going in, I feel they're really underwhelming. I think this is going to be an, a bit, another kind of write-off season and we're going to see them kick into action 25 because I feel the driver lineup will change. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting actually because, you know, uh, Alpine, Alpine's obviously come from the Renault, um, mm. sort of when Renault were running. Um, they were investing huge amounts of money. Their goal and ambition was to get back into a championship winning uh, contention. And it's just not materialised. Like, in no way materialised. Do you think it's the car? The drivers are a bit both. Well, I mean, I, w I wouldn't want to say the drivers, you know. I think, um, you know, Esteban Ocon, uh, through his junior formulas, and, and when he came into F1, he's certainly a capable driver. He's shown signs of really good speed, um, you know. And, and with Pierre, uh, they're now, again, really solid driver you know he had his stint at red bull i think red bull were going through quite and they are quite cutthroat mm. manual you know we know that as a constructor um i i think it, it's got to be something more more than the drivers mm. i think the car the development how how they're sort of um applying the car to the regulations it's just not working yeah I think, again, I think this season is going to be a bit of a learning curve for them. I really do. Yeah, and I, to be honest with you, I agree with Alex's comments. You know, if Mercedes, uh, Mercedes, sorry, if, if Williams, you know, Williams are incredibly fast in a straight line. They've Very shown good. that. They've been really competitive towards the back end of last season. We saw it in Mexico. Um, you know, they weren't too bad from memory in Vegas. Um, and if they can dial that car in on slower speed corners, maybe they'll have the package to to really walk the floor with that. I, I hope think. so. I'd love to see Williams further up the grid. I mean, 100%. they're just such an iconic team. They should mm. never be down near the bottom. No. Um, all right, best of the rest. Uh, we've got Steak, uh, which is, you <laughs> yeah. know, formerly known as Alfa Romeo. Yeah. Um, very wild direction change. Um, they've now got a black and neon green livery on this mm. season's car, the C44. Uh, Valtteri Bottas and Joe Guanyu are confident in the new change. Uh, Bottas said it's the start of something new for the team. Don't forget, uh, Steak will be called kick i believe in uh countries a number of countries in a number of countries where you cannot gamble so if you can keep yeah. up with that it's steak and then it's hashtag as well yeah kick um and we've also got the v carb mm. what a ridiculous name that yeah is. well again the uh the commercial aspects and partnership aspects are sort of destroying v carb i mean it's mm. just so stupid i mean Arguably is this the, the best Visa launch credit so far. card chip this, and pin. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, Visa, the Visa debit car. Yeah. Uh, it launched in Vegas. A nice blue and red livery. Very reminiscent of the 2017, mm. um, 2019 Toro Rosso. Um, lots of changes on the car again, following the trend reworks iPods. Um, yeah. The team has stressed uh, that the opportunity to become the Visa Cash App RB is one that allows them to essentially become a new team with the ambition to taking the best results possible in 2024. It's almost as if that was a strap line straight from Visa themselves can you it? take a car seriously or a team seriously if it's called the visa cash app no that's got, that's worse than safe <laughs> quite simply no that's terrible you know I, I mean it just sounds like a bank it's just it's just not okay no. um i mean the only thing i would say is i guess they they are part of the red bull group they must get a couple hand-me-downs yeah well i mean they could get the car yeah i think that um you know i'm kind of a little bit 
um, aligned to Zach Brown's view on it, actually. So it's quite clearly a second team of uh, of the Red Bull, um, of the sort of Red Bull manufacturer. Um, and we've seen it in terms of how the teams cooperate with one another. Yes, of course, parts are shared, you know, uh, with the likes of Mercedes and Aston Martin and Williams. And, and you see the alignment in some of the setup, not just the engines. Um, but yeah, for sure. Uh, Visa Cash App will be certainly cashing in on uh, oh, on the I relationship like with Red Bull. Oh, I like it oh, very that one's much. Free. Uh, <laughs> okay, so that is basically all the launches. Yeah. Um, who do you think could be a bit of a surprise this season? Is there anyone? Uh, we talked about the top end of the grid, mm. but who are you looking out for in terms of you know that mid pack or you know a late runner, mm. late challenger, a driver or both driver or and driver and, and, and car really. Uh, I think, I mean, we kind of talked about it. I don't, I don't think we can classify Williams as the top teams anymore. Again, huge history in Formula One. Um, I'd be looking very closely at Alex mm. and uh, and Williams. You know, I think they can take that car to the midfield. They might even spring a surprise and go, go further up, um, especially if they've sort of developed that car in the right way over, over winter. Um, so I'll definitely be keeping a watch on Williams. Um, in terms of drivers, I mean, yeah, you know, McLaren are kind of at the, at the nose end. Uh, but Piastri really impressed me in his first season. He was great. You know, he he was incredibly calm, very collected, but had a real raw pace uh, about him. He doesn't beat himself up. He seems to learn from mistakes. Uh, and I think he's going to push Lando this year. Mm. I really, you know, I really do. And of course, I back all the Brits, but um, I think Piastri would be one to watch too. Yeah, I like that. Definitely agree. Uh, well, thank you very much, Steve. It's been lovely no, pleasure. Getting, to, getting to chat to you and... and um, kind of get your take on things mm. what's next for you what's where can we see you next what's what's so, your plan for this season well plans for this season so um be racing in uh two brscc series so uh the super sport championship with cure track racing uh, and again out with them with uh, club sport um so last year for me was a little bit of a challenge um my car was written off pretty much for the year and spent a lot of time having fixes and corrections and stuff done but we'll be back back on track this year for the whole season love it fingers crossed exactly nice i'm just time. coming out in the last five <laughs> minutes aren't i <laughs> um, so yeah no uh season starts for us on the 16th and 17th of march um and then from there you know like we mentioned earlier ambitions it's incredibly difficult uh especially at sort of this period of time uh, but really to to build some partners and uh, and go for potential um, future pro seats. Mm. You know, maybe Prime in terms of GT or looking at British Touring Car as a privateer team. So, um, World's your oyster. It, well, exactly. It's just a very <laughs> difficult oyster to crack. Difficult but, oyster um, to crack, but it's still yeah. an oyster. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this morning's episode. Please make sure you go and like and subscribe as well to OnTrack GP. We very much appreciate it. Uh, and uh, we will see you again next week. See you later. Sports Social Podcast Network.